What is this? Bells. Fails. Well, excuse me, princess. Just shut up and listen. And listen good, chief. This is not a drill. Your words are as empty as your soul. But enough talk. How about you? When we find that media, we'll find Dr. Wowie. Welcome to When All Us Fails, an internet radio show for video game advice. I am your host, Eric M. Hunter. Welcome. Uh, I've been playing a ton of Breath of the Wild lately on my Switch, uh, and I am happy to say that I'm enjoying it. For those who follow me on Twitter, know that I am just flipping obsessed with this game. There's just so much you can do in it. And, you know, me being a big Zelda fan to begin with, it's I mean, it's just it seems like it's just everything in a Zelda game or just in a game in general that I've wanted, you know, just I, the ability to basically do anything, to go anywhere, to uh, they have that real challenge. There's the the crafting element to it. It's not overzealous, but it's just enough. Uh, it's such a tantalizing story. And the way that the story is told is so elegant. It's so beautiful. Like you just you just don't see it in video games anymore because nowadays, uh, with the exception of, you know, maybe independent games or indie games for you crazy kids out there, there just seems to be too much handholding. Um, you deal with too many story elements that are just boring and you just deal with a bunch of stuff that you don't necessarily want to deal with. You know, like there's multiple times in my life where I want to play a video game and it's like, I want to play something new, but I don't because the pick up and play aspect of video games, that's what I'm looking for. The pick up and play aspect of video games, uh, you know, nowadays requires anywhere between four to six hours uh, to quote unquote, get into the game. I am married. I have a one-year-old son. I work 50 hours a week. I do not have time to dedicate four to six hours to get in a quote unquote game uh, to see if I even like it or not, especially now that the games are 60 and $70. I just no, I don't have time for this. So normally when I want to play a game, I usually just pick up something that I've already played before. Uh, but breath of the wild has definitely broken uh, that curse that I've been dealing with and Mario Odyssey as well. But I lent that out to my brother. So I won't see that for another six to eight years. If he's listening to this, you still have my game. One of the elements in the game of the, the crafting part of it, uh, you can create like your own meals and potions. And this is where you get uh, like your heart containers this is how you build your health back up or you're going to build up your defense or your strength. Uh, you can give yourself temporarily more stamina or temporary temper, tip or temporarily <laughs> having a seizure over here, more hearts than you normally would. Uh, and there are particular I guess you could call them fruits that give you this. And it's one of the fruits that gives you the best. If you cook five of these, it'll give you 20 temporary hearts, which is what will max out your meter. Um, they're called Durans, D-U-R-I-N-I-A-N-S, Durans. And they're like this kind of spiky, not in a yellow um, football shaped kind of fruit. Uh, not so much like a pineapple because it doesn't have the green stem, but um more like a football, but with the sides pushed in, you know, so how they describe the earth. If you're Bill Nye, the science guy, it's kind of what the earth looks like now. It's a football with the sides pushed in. I didn't think anything of it. I just assumed that this was just a part of the game. This was just some fruit, you know, and 
because uh, there's all kinds of stuff that you come across. You come across like these uh, flowers that are called the silent princess and you come across um, all sorts of like weird lizards, a hot tail lizard and all these weird butterflies and yada, yada. There's all, there's a whole mess of animals, uh, animals, insects. Well, yeah, animals, lizards are animals. Um, even if they are cold blooded sons of, and I didn't think anything of it. You know, I just thought of Duran, a Darian, D U R I. I'm going to go with Duran, a Duran, it's just a thing in Zelda. Didn't think anything of it. Then I'm at Jungle Gems. Now, for those who are not uh, in the know of Jungle Gems, Jungle Gems is a grocery store, among other things. Uh, but basically, it's a giant warehouse that scales about probably two football fields, like long and widthways, um, that has nothing but foods from all across the world. And when I mean all across the world, I'm like there, there, there is a dedicated, uh, you know, like Japan aisle. There's a dedicated Indian food aisle. There's a dedicated um, ch- uh, Chinese aisle. Like it's uh, there's all just shit from everywhere. There's just stuff from everywhere. It's it's the place is crazy. It's it's decked out with all this kitschy like old amusement park rides are like hanging from the ceiling. And uh, and one section, he's got this giant boat uh, that I mean, it's probably 35, 40 feet long for no reason other than there's a NASCAR hanging from the wall. I'm not even kidding. There is a literal NASCAR that is hanging from the wall uh, right next to the beer section at Jungle Gyms. The place is amazing. Anyway, so I'm walking through the area and we're going through like the um, fresh fruits and vegetable area, uh, the nature select, the nature market of jungle gems. And there, what do my eyes perceive but a sign for Duran's? It was like three for 333 or something like that. You can buy three of these bad boys, cook them up and eat them, add them to your next dinner. No idea that this was an actual fruit out in the world. And it just makes you wonder how many other things out there that are in different cultures and different countries that, you know, me being a dumb American doesn't know anything about like bananas. Like, are they a thing? They're like these weird, like yellow kind of like tuby, you know, the you cook them up in Zelda and you, you get extra uh, strength for a couple of minutes. Do those exist? Acorns? Like even saying the word is weird. Like it's, it's one word. It's not two words. Like when I first saw it, I was like, oh, they misspelled it. How weird is that? They misspelled, you know, a, a simple word, in my opinion, uh, in this multi-million dollar gamer uh, gaming project, Acorn. It's, I mean, it's A-C-O-R-N. I mean, I don't, it doesn't look anything like corn. They're like brown with like a little hat on the top of it. Like, does this stuff even really exist? Out in the world, like, how would you know? How would you have any idea that any of the things that you come in contact with in video games actually exist in the outside world? It's amazing. It's amazing where these game developers can just get their inspiration from. All right, let's start us off with... A question. Dear, when all else fails, I have been something of a collector since I was a child. I've got all the popular consoles and their massive libraries lining the walls of my basement and filling many, many tubs in my garage. Now I feel like I'm left with only sports games and I'm not sure I want to go down that avenue yet. What are some things that might be worth collecting? Sign, collecting new game plus. 
from one collector to another, I can say that your time has been wasted. Your money is gone. Uh, I, I have many shelves lined with cartridges and boxes and jewel cases that collect dust. It is a terrible, terrible disease collecting is. Now, on the other side, you should always be collecting, never stop collecting physical media for life. Yes. Say it with me, everybody. Physical media. It's going to have a renaissance. And when that renaissance comes by, I, for one, will be ready. So you've collected all the popular stuff. Obviously, you could always go for the unpopular stuff. You know, like, I don't even know, like a Nintendo Game Boy. That was pretty unpopular. Uh, the Sony PlayStation 1. That didn't really see too many sales. Uh, I'm sure you're already decked out with, you know, multiple Nomads, Sega Nomads. Uh, the, um, uh, let's see, what else? Uh, the Jaguar. I'm sure you got a couple of Jaguars, you know. So the popular stuff I get. Um, so what else do you collect? What else do you collect? Because usually the more obscure it is, um, the more expensive it is. And I don't know about you, but in my collecting life right now, I'm kind of at that point where I've got basically everything that I've want. I've got everything that I had from my childhood for the most part. And anything else is just going to cost me a ton of money. And I just, I can't see myself dropping, you know, three and $400 just to get a copy of like DuckTales 2 on the Nintendo or getting like a, a complete inbox copy of Earthbound for the Super NES. Like I just can't see myself dropping that kind of moolah just so I can put something on my shelf to collect more dusk along with the multiple copies of altered beast that I already have, you know? Um, so, you know, collecting, so you got like, you can do like knickknacks. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, like there's cool little toys you can find out there, um, that are video game related. Uh, I know there are shoestrings. You could do shoestrings. That's a big market for things right now. You got to think as a collector, you have to think, okay, I need to find something that doesn't cost a lot of money now, but will be worth collecting and worth money down the road. Shoestrings could be on that list. It could be. I could be just giving away all my secrets. I don't I don't even know. I don't even know. Maybe I am. I think I could be giving away secrets. I'll tell you what. Maybe not think of just bear think just bear with me for a second cuz I'm going to go a little off the grid. What about something that's not physical media? What about something that's just not physical? What about what about collecting high scores? Now, I know back in the day uh, when the Atari 2600 was huge, the arcade scene was booming. Um, there was one outlet that was awarding like patches. No, like pat jacket patches. Um, or I guess you could put them on your backpack or wherever you could put a patch. If you held the high score record on something. Uh, for the 2600, that could be something you could, you could see like what those, uh, barriers were and see if you could break through them. And then you would, you know, quote unquote, award yourself that badge. Uh, that could, that could be worth collecting. I know, um, for those who may not know, Christopher Schwartz, uh, who goes by Chris A. Swartz on Twitter. I think it's Chris A. Swartz. I think A stands for like Emilio or something. I don't know why he misspelled it. I mean, I try not to get into it. You know, people who name their kids weird things. I try not to get into it. Uh, I remember him talking about something like that. It's about, you know, trying to find out whatever the high score 
uh, ceiling was. And then if you broke it, you, you get this, you can submit your high score and then you could get a badge. That would be kind of cool. Collect high scores. That's not a bad idea. I mean, you could do that with any game. You could do it with time trial games, arcade games, racing games with time trials, Mario Kart. That's not a bad idea. Or, or you can do what I'm going to start doing after I save up a little bit of money. So I'm going to get a bunch of those really crappy uh, 30 and one uh hook up to your TV and power of batteries things, you know, like the SpongeBob one and the uh, there's a there's a Ben 10 one where, you know, you just plug it into your TV and turn it on. And it's got like five or 10 like really bad games that nobody would ever play because they're so terrible and trash. And uh, yeah, I, that's what I'm going to think. I'm going to start collecting. That's. Or, you know, you could just sell everything. Uh, here we go. Here's an idea for you. You sell everything. You take your entire collection. You put it on eBay. You get a couple of new standings uh, from, you know, generous outlets like IGN and Game Shark. And they're like, hey, this guy's putting up his entire collection on eBay for pennies on the dollar. You sell everything, make a fraction of the money that you spent back. And then you take that fraction of that money and then you turn it around and rebuy your entire collection. Go through the entire rush again of going into those resale uh, centers and those uh, hobby shops. Uh, not, don't go to GameStop because they'll they'll get you and just buy everything back and just start all over. Start the madness all over. All right, I got a fresh and tasty game fact. This one comes from the Mega Man 3 board for the NES entitled, I'm sorry, but this game is way better than Mega Man 2. And it is by GameFAQs user XX I guess Galleon was already taken. You got to slap those X's on the front and back. Uh, or maybe he's just an actor or an actress, depending on if it's a woman or not. I used to think it was a nostalgic thing since I played this before Mega Man 2. But I think the Mega Man 2 fans are the ones that are blinded by nostalgia. The music is better. The stages are better. The bosses are better. It's the first introduction of the slide, Proto Man, and Rush. MM3 is greater than MM2. Bold words. I am reading on this message board. For those who know me, I have made the stance multiple times. I am a try and true fan of Mega Man 2 over Mega Man 3. And it is for one reason. It's the slide. In my opinion, the slide in Mega Man 3 and beyond is one of the most pointless game mechanics in the series. Let me explain. When taking in contrast to Mega Man X, you've got the dash. Okay, now this dash does multiple things. You could use it as a uh, as a, a defensive measure to get out of the way. You could use it to uh, gain speed so you can cross a large chasm. Uh, it's awesome to do. It's a lot of fun to do, uh, and it opens up the level design for you to do things that you typically wouldn't be able to do in a traditional Mega Man game. The problem with the slide is that nowhere in the original 8-bit series does it feel intuitive to slide. Okay, there are there are multiple times you have to slide because the level design is forcing you to slide. That doesn't make it intuitive. That doesn't make it fun. 
you know? Whereas with the dash in Mega Man X, you feel like you could do it anywhere. It feels organic. It feels like an organic game mechanic. That's where my argument ends, because above all else, Mega Man 3 is a much better game. Just the fact that you can play and fight Mega Man 2 bosses in Mega Man 3, although they are altered a little bit, that's fine. You know, whatever. Um, I feel like on the whole, as a presentation, Mega Man 3 is a much better game. Now, Mega Man 2 was made on the back of Mega Man 1, which was a failure in the eyes of Capcom. So this was their kind of love child, Mega Man 2 was, to Capcom to say, hey, no, there's something very viable here. There is something that we can make happen, that this game can really be a thing if we do it correctly. Look at what we made. And they made Mega Man 2. And it is an amazing game. It is a very amazing game. It's easily on my top 10. But Mega Man 3... Is Capcom saying, whoa, you're right. You guys do have something here. My bad. You know what? Have a third. Give us what you got. Give us all the meat and the potatoes. We don't want side items here. We know that sides make a meal. We get that. But we don't want the side dishes. Although that broccoli looks really good. And those baked beans. Are those rolled up salami with cream cheese? I do love my side dishes. I want the meal, though. I want the meat and potatoes. And that is what Mega Man 3 is. With the fault of the slide, I can overlook it. Because there are so many better things in Mega Man 3. It just feels like a love letter. Like, they finally got it right. You know? Like, this is... if, if I, it was, It's kind of the idea of like, oh, if I was going to make a game, it would be this. Boom. Mega Man 3. I get it. Just because the slide's the redheaded stepchild. And I apologize to those who are out there who are redheaded and stepchildren, you don't have to use it until the level design makes you use it. And that's how I play Mega Man 3. I don't slide. There's no sliding in this household, Mega Man 3. Unless you force me to, I'm not sliding. This is a no-slide zone. I play my Mega Man games like Mega Man 2, regardless of what game in the series I'm playing. I play it like Mega Man 2. I'm not going to power up my buster, Mega Man 2, Mega Man doesn't power up his buster. I'm not going to slide. Mega Man 2 doesn't, Mega Man doesn't slide. But in the end, yes, Mega Man 3 is a much better game. All right, let's head off to the treasure chest. Well, hey there, listeners. First of all, I want to thank you for contributing any kind of projects or things and shout outs you wanted to hear on the show. Oh, wait, you didn't. So for the third episode in a row, we've got nothing to talk about. But this time is given to me. I'm being paid for this time. So I have to talk about something. And unfortunately, we have to dive back into the Steam reviews to find another stinker. This comes from the game Echo, but is currently sitting in early access. Probably put uh, like a forest behind me. Something that's kind of chirpy, I don't know. The game looks like it's a like it's a happy-go-lucky kind of game. 1.1 hours on record. Not recommended. Joined a server on day two. Most of the tree population was already going extinct. Several animals and mushrooms as well. And there lies the problem. If you want to play with people, you join a big server. But if you don't join on the very first day, you won't be able to play. 
You need tools to hunt food. You need resources to make tools. You need food to gather resources. Wild food is near non-existent on day two. The game is supposed to teach about ecology, right? Well, all this game does is teach you that if you weren't born yesterday, you'll starve to death and be unable to save the world without begging for handouts. Because apparently, to reach sustainability, the world has to go near extinct on the very first day. Refunding this design flaw is worked out. That is to say, the world apparently can only handle 10 people, throwing 100 at it, and it runs out of everything on day one. Which I guess it kind of works out. If he's asking for a refund, he's not playing the game anymore. That means there's a spot open. So if you guys want to play Echo, there's a spot open because this this young Savator was kind enough to op out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I have another question. Dear When All Else Fails, I'm gearing up for our yearly vacation and was wondering what are some of the best games to bring along on a long road trip? Signed, On the Road Again. Long road trips. Man, those were the good old days, weren't it? Like eight, nine, maybe ten years old. You got your Game Boy with you. It was great during the day because you didn't have to worry about any kind of external lighting. But man, nighttime, the only way you were seeing that screen is when you were driving past the streetlights, because for some reason it's illegal. It's against the law to turn the dome light on inside the car. At least that's what my dad told me. He kept saying like, oh, I can't see through the windshield when the light's on. Guess what, dad? I'm 32 years old. I drive around with that dome light on all the time. Hey, guess what? I can see perfectly fine. The things parents would tell you to stop you from gaming. So you got a long road trip ahead. What games do you bring? Tough question. This is a tough question. I mean, obviously, the obvious question would be, you know, like an RPG, something that's kind of uh, that's going to take many hours to complete, depending on how long the the, the road trip is. I'm assuming it's a long one. Um, so, you know, you've got your Pokemans, uh, you've got your Chrono Triggs, uh, you've got your Secrets of Munas. Any of those RPGs, uh, I'm sure, would do the trick. Uh, let's see. Pokemon Go, you know, you can play that on your phone if, or, your, or your tablet or your uh, – uh, you can play that as, you're, as you go from destination. Because you're not going to be on the road 24-7, right? You're going to be stopping, getting gas. You'll be probably looking at sights and sounds. Somebody's going to have to pee. You know mom's going to have to pee or sister's going to have to pee or auntie. Somebody's going to have to go. Can't just whiz in a bottle. Apparently, that's – Unacceptable in a long car ride. Wizen in bottles. Thanks a lot for nothing, Dad. So Pokemon Go will give you an opportunity to, you know, go out and catch some Pokemans while you're you're waiting for whoever to be done, stretching your legs, that kind of thing. Uh, you don't want it to be a game that you can finish really quickly um, because, you know, you're just going to grow bored of it really fast, you know, uh, with the exception of, say, like a puzzle game like Tetris, you know, so obviously Tetris would be a good suggestion. You could play Tetris over and over again. You can, you know, high school run with your siblings or parents, you know, for the ones who aren't driving, not recommended to play Tetris while you're driving or any game. I just don't want to say not Tetris. And you think, oh, it'll be OK for me to play, you know, Super Mario World. It's not OK for you to play Super Mario World while you're driving. You know, eyes on the road, 10 and 2. Watch out for the crazy people playing Tetris. 
That's what you should be doing is dodging the people playing Tetris because, you know, that's a thing. That's that's just a thing that happens. People are out there playing Tetris while they're driving. That should be a public service announcement. You know, no Tetris while driving. That's what it should be. No Tetris while driving. Get Nintendo in on that. See what they think. Be like, hey, public service announcement. There are a lot of people who are getting in accidents because they're playing a very addictive puzzle game that is made by, guess who? You, Nintendo. Tetris. It's never good at Tetris. I enjoy playing it, though. So that could be some solutions. Um, You could be the cool kid. I don't know how many times I've been on road trips and we get to uh, like those public rest stops, you know, where you can. There's basically just a couple of vending machines and some giant bathrooms. And then there's some picnic areas that you can eat uh, in, the, in the picnic area. You know, there was, oh, you could get the Frisbee and throw the Frisbee around or, you know, you could take the dog for a walk and, you know, just all of those those physical activities that just nobody wants to do because they're physical activities. I mean, let's let's be real here. But but you could be the cool kid. All right. So here's what you do. OK, you bring your TV. Go with it now. You bring your 27 inch fat baddy. CRT TV with you. You slam that boy into a duffel bag. Nobody will know. Dad's not going to know. You drop that in the back of the car. Boom. One, two with your backpack because that's considered carry on luggage. You slam in your GameCube four GameCube controllers. And the only game you are going to need Smash Brothers Melee. That's right. You have your dad pack up the generator that you've been charging for over a week now because those things take forever to charge up. When you stop at a rest stop, you rip all that stuff out. You throw down the tailgate of the truck because I'm assuming that's what you're driving. You put up that TV. You hook it up to the generator, that GameCube into the TV, the GameCube into the generator, the GameCube controllers into the GameCube, Smash Brothers into the GameCube. Power. Boom. Four player Smash Brothers right there at the rest stop in the open air. There is no better idea gaming right there. That's what you do. Be the cool kid because, you know, you're going to build a crowd. You can have many tournaments. All the cool chicks and hot guys are going to want to be with you, you know, depending on how things go, because you're the kid who brought Smash Brothers. When, you know, Tommy over here from Wyoming only had a Frisbee to throw around. And for a second, you thought about it for a second because, you know, Ultimate Frisbee is a fun game. If there was a Royal League around here, I'd. I'd probably join it because I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of Ultimate Frisbee. I'm actually have to look that up now and see if that's actually a I should probably do that. So that's what you're gonna do. You just bring all that stuff in, and even better, when you finally get to your destination, guess what you have? You have a GameCube with Smash Brothers. Some of those time trial games are pretty tough. You know, you gotta hit those targets. It's a tough business. That's what you do. That's what you bring on your long term. You're welcome. You can thank me later. You know what? You're welcome. Thank me later. Yep. You're welcome. All right. I got a fresh new game fact here. This comes from the Far Cry board entitled Looking Around Without the Mouse from Game Fact user King. King. He is the king of Ninten. No idea what that means. Is there any way of doing it? I'm not a keyboard and mouse gamer for this sort of game, so... I've mapped out most of the controls onto a gamepad, but I can't figure out how to map mouse movements, and there doesn't seem to be an option to configure looking around. Really? How do you turn around? I mean, you can easily look around without a mouse. I mean, you just do it, right? 
So I mean like here, this is a perfect example. I am now looking around. I am now looking behind me. I am not using a mouse. I am simply just moving around. That's how easy it is. You just I mean, you don't need a mouse to look around. You know, you don't need anything to look around. I mean, you, know, you got everything you need. You can just, you know, you don't even have to move your body. You can actually just move your, your eyeballs to look around. You don't even have to move your head. Like, how weird is that? I mean, it's, you know. Now, the weird thing about it is if you keep your head straight and you move your eyes back and forth, like from left to right, the image is kind of stilted, like it kind of stutters a bit. But if you keep your eyes straight and then you move your body, like everything's super smooth. You ever notice that? It's like super weird that I can get a smooth image by not moving my head or my eyes and moving my body. But when I just move my eyes, like the image just kind of stutters like left to right. It's strange. But again, I'm not, I'm not using a mouse. You don't need a mouse. You don't have to map that to a mouse. I mean, that's just a thing you do. You know, like if you've got a brother or sister, I mean, they could probably move you for you and that will allow them, you know, for you to, to look around. You don't have to map it to a mouse. I don't, I don't even even why you would bring a mouse up like that. This seems like a waste of time. Like how weird would it be to see some kid walking down the street, holding a mouse and they're using it to, you know, look around. (laughs) You would, you know, probably point laugh at that kid. You shouldn't point and laugh because there could just be something wrong with them. You know, they could just be a couple of screws loose, which is no big deal. But don't need a mouse, that's for sure. And surprising, there's no responses. I wonder why there's no replies to this question. Silly. Just just you just do it. You just look around. That's how you that's how you just that's how you do it. Just don't even I don't even understand. Like just just look around. Let's go. All right, when when all else fails is coming to an end, uh, we are told that uh, the proper sign-off that we gave in the last episode is something that we should be giving every episode. Uh, So let's start that now. We are part of the Capital Idea Radio podcast network. You can check it out at capitalidearadio.com. To help form this podcast and the others on the network, you can email uh, them at mail at capitalidearadio.com. And if you want to talk to me personally... You can slide on into my DMs over on Twitter at Eric Hunter. And we're going to end the show like we always do, talk about the next new awesome Super Duper Mario power-up. And it is fourth grade math. Man, multiplication tables are a bitch. I am Eric M. giving out hugs and nugs when all else fails. You are almost a Jill sandwich. Capital idea. Creating some of the best audio entertainment to put in your ear holes. At least, we think so.